The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 124 of the podcast, or you're joining me here on YouTube. Today is Sunday, January 27th. A little bit of a chilly day here in Florida, although I'm sure a lot of you are dealing with much colder weather. Like my co-host, who unfortunately could not join me today, Jeff the Animal Wilson, he of course apologizes to all the listeners for not being able to make it, but he's starting a new job next week, so he's got a lot of things to get in order for that. If you want to wish him good luck, please do so, either through me or go find him on Twitter at Animal underscore Wilson. All right, we had a week off from some UFC action, but there were some MMA fights that went on this weekend. Um... Bellator had an event, and uh, you know we've got UFC next week to talk about, so it's going to be a bit of a quick episode this week. Not too much to go over, but you know we'll get into some fun stuff. Uh, regardless, before I get into the uh, promotions that most of you are familiar with, I want to wish a big congratulations to my friend and teammate. Dave Mundell, who was victorious this Friday night, he headlined Vigilant Promotions Combat Quest 3 here in Tampa, Florida at the Florida State Fairgrounds. I was fortunate enough to be in attendance for that, uh, so it's always awesome to see somebody you know personally and, and train with to do well. Uh, I know how hard he worked for this fight uh returning to 170 pounds after taking some middleweight fights uh so it was good you know it's good to see my buddy with with abs again uh <laughs> and um it, it was a good time um for those of you who have been to local mma pr productions you know there are some missteps that can happen uh you know with timing and with the production and um you know Sometimes there are issues with fights being sanctioned and everything like that. And there were some of those on Friday night and there were some delays. And I think uh, Dave didn't even know when he was going to go on at, at one point. But, you know, he handled all that like the professional that he is and, and came out and did what he had to do to get his hand raised. Uh, very dominant unanimous decision victory. So congrats again to Dave Mundell and I'm sure he'll be back in the gym this week so uh, working on the next big thing so we wish him all the best and we're looking forward to you know whatever's on the horizon for him um, we had Bellator last night so Bellator 214 and it was the end of their heavyweight Grand Prix tournament which I feel like fell a little bit flat uh, this thing had so much hype behind it. Um, I guess it was about a year ago when this tournament was announced. And, you know, um, I, I had kind of mixed feelings about it from the start because a lot of the guys in the tournament, 
uh, were not really heavyweights. You know, Ryan Bader, who uh, obviously won the whole tournament, was the uh, or still is the Bellator light heavyweight champion. You had Chel Sonnen in there, who has fought at middleweight. Uh, Rampage Jackson, light heavyweight. Um, King Mo, light heavyweight. Um, so I, I feel like I like the tournament format. Uh, I want to give credit to Bellator for putting this together and and getting all these big names uh, in one bracket. But um, I feel like there was a bit of a miss here. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly why it, it fell short here with all these huge names uh, behind it. But um, I, I, I don't know. Somewhere along the way, the hype fell off a little bit. Uh, but... This was a great event that they put on last night. Um, you know, you had your usual Bellator quirkiness, uh, you know, like guys making their professional debuts on the card. You're always going to have that stuff with Bellator. So this was at the Forum in Inglewood, California, uh, right outside of L.A. And uh, it was headlined by Ryan Bader and Fedor Emelianenko for the heavyweight championship and the winner of the Grand Prix tournament. And... I, I didn't really know what to think about this one going in. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people thought that if Bader could, you know, land a takedown and hold Fedor down, that that would be his key to victory. Uh, I didn't really see that happening. I, I thought Ryan Bader had a good chance of standing with Fedor. Uh, I didn't think he would be able to knock him out in 35 seconds, which is what happened in case you missed the fights last night. So... Uh, they came out, there was a, a brief feeling out process, and Ryan Bader leapt in with a lead left hook and extended the hook. Um, so he didn't throw like a tight hook like you normally would, um, you know, where you keep your elbow bent and it's like you're holding a mug of beer is the is the best uh, analogy I like to use for obvious reasons. You know, this is MMA on the rocks after all. Uh, so he extended that hook and... You know, caught Fedor right on the end of it and put put him down hard. And the, the referee jumped in pretty quickly. I I almost thought it, it was he jumped in a bit premature, but then I saw that Fedor was out cold, and I realized that it, it was in fact a good stoppage. And I think Bader even got in an extra blow there. Uh, so Bellator has on their hands their first double champion. Uh, you know following in the shadow of the UFC who accomplished this, uh, you know, about two years ago when Conor McGregor did it. And uh, they've done it twice more since then with uh, Daniel Cormier and Amanda Nunez. So, um, you know, it, this is a good thing for Bellator to uh, be able to have a guy in Ryan Bader who can be the face of the organization and, you know, have two championship belts. Ryan Bader is not the most outgoing fighter you know he's not going to give you great sound bites in a post-fight speech or anything like that um but you know then again neither is fedor and fedor is one of the most infamous fighters of all time i don't know what this means for fedor he looked great in the tournament up to this point uh you know maybe he just got caught maybe uh you know his chin can be called into question uh, you know, I remember the fight 
a couple of years ago before he even made it to Bellator where he almost got knocked out by a middleweight in Russia in uh, Fabio Maldonado. Uh, and that fight was hard to watch because uh, Fedor was out on his feet and they wouldn't stop the fight because it was in Russia. And, uh, you know, he kind of survived the first round and it almost seemed like Fabio Maldonado was afraid to put him away uh, because of what might happen to him. If you could imagine, um, you know, fighting on Russian territory uh, is probably not not the most uh, comforting feeling. And then if you knock him out, um, it, you know, that, that could be a potentially dangerous situation. And then the decision in that fight wound up going to Fedor, even though he almost died in the first round. And then I believe it, it wound up being overturned down the road to a no contest, um, you know, some sanctioning body question that but i don't know what this means for fedor i i would imagine that he there was a possibility of him retiring if he did win you know so he could go out on a high note um i i don't see him getting a rematch for the title anytime soon and you know what do you do with fedor here do you just give him like a regular fight uh it's really hard to say uh he so I don't know what you do with Fedor here. With Bader, you have a lot of options. You know, he has two belts that he could defend. He said in his post-fight interview he wants to defend both of them. So uh, and Bellator isn't, like, hugely stacked with contenders where, you know, he would have to give one of those belts up, like the UFC. Uh, you know, he could go a couple of months without defending one of them, and it, it wouldn't really disrupt much. Um, you have Gegard Mousasi, the current middleweight champion, who could move up. Who he, you know, he's fought at light heavyweight before, um, so you could have that champion versus champion super fight uh, somewhere down the line. Um, and who knows? You know, maybe they'll do another Grand Prix uh, to see who gets the next shot, or maybe they'll make him vacate one of the titles. I don't know, but. Uh, you know, good news for Ryan Bader. You know, he's he's a guy who, you know, was always on the cusp of greatness in the UFC, and now he's over in Bellator. He's making more money. Uh, he's got more notoriety. He's got you know two championships around his waist right now, uh, and, and he's a guy who has always been a hard worker from his days wrestling in Arizona to his time in the UFC on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, and now in Bellator, it's finally all paying off for him. So, uh, you know, good for Ryan Bader. Now he's got a win over, you know, a legend like Fedor Emelianenko under his belt. So you can't be disappointed with that. All right, the uh, the co-main event, I think, surprised a lot of people. Henry Corrales getting the, uh, the vicious KO over one of the most highly touted prospects in Bellator, and that's Aaron Pico. Aaron Pico is... For those who don't know, a very high-level collegiate wrestler, and uh, you know he came to Bellator with a lot of hype behind him, and he got submitted in his debut, but you know chalked that up to inexperience. Since then, he strung together four knockout wins in a row. So people were talking about how great his striking is, and his striking is very good. You know he's got some crisp boxing he's got some fast hands he's got great head movement he's got great footwork he's a phenomenal athlete all around so i could see where the hype is now there's two schools of thought on aaron pico some think you know he's the next coming of uh you know george st pierre or you know the the next 
big upcoming prospect, you know, greatest fighter ever, and then others think he's overrated. I fall kind of somewhere in the middle. He's only 22 years old. I think he's got a ton of potential. Obviously, he has great work ethic. He has unbelievable athleticism. Uh, you know, he's already been to the top of a mountain in one sport. Uh, I can only assume he'll get to the top of the mountain in this one. I just think maybe not as quickly as some people anticipated. So this was a big step up in competition for him against Henry Corrales. And I don't think he looked terrible. You know, I, I think a lot of the dialogue I was seeing on social media was that his defense is terrible. And I I don't agree with that. I think his offense is reckless. I don't think that necessarily means he has bad defense. Now, I would think of bad defense being like, you know, not having your hands up all the time and, and making silly mistakes. Uh, having reckless offense, I see as being, you know, you get too caught up in the way you're attacking and you're not protecting yourself. Um, you know, some may say, well, what's the difference? And, you know, you may be right, but I guess I, I'm just uh, very particular when it comes to how things are worded. So this was a big step up in competition uh, for Aaron Pico, especially a guy in Corrales who... You know, since he changed camps and he's been over at the MMA lab working with Benson Henderson, he had four wins in a row. And, um, you know, before that, he lost three in a row. And those are the only blemishes on his entire record. And after that third loss, he changed it up. He went over to the MMA lab and then he put together, you know, four impressive victories in a row. <coughs> so what happened in this fight was Aaron Pico kind of rocked Corrales. Um, he put him down and then he rushed in and he tried to finish him, but he, he kind of looked still patient while doing that. Then what happened was Aaron Pico grabbed a collar tie, which is when you grab the back of your opponent's head and you kind of try and, you know, shove your forearm, uh, right along their collarbone, like make a cross with your forearm and their collarbone and, and control their head. And obviously he's got a great collar tie because that's a big, uh, wrestling move and then what he did with it was he basically anchored himself on that collar tie to throw body punches at Henry Corrales's liver um you, you know if you throw one of those okay the problem is after you throw more than one the whole left side of your face is left exposed and if your hand is down low enough to strike the liver you're not going to be able to bring it back quick enough to your face to protect it. And, you know, unfortunately for Aaron Pico, he learned that the hard way. Henry Corrales came with a big hook and, uh, you know, knocked Aaron Pico out cold, stiffened him up. And, you know, this will be a learning experience for Aaron Pico. I, I don't think uh, this is going to affect him too negatively. He's still got a big name in Bellator. Henry Corrales is a tough guy. He's definitely the toughest guy that, that Aaron Pico has fought uh, so far, you know, by far. Uh, so I, I don't think it's the end of the world for Aaron Pico. I think it's great for Henry Corrales, who has a loss to the current featherweight champion in uh, Patricio Pitbull. Uh, so he called him out. I, I don't see that happening for him, but maybe one more fight 
and, and he'll get that title shot. I think, <coughs> you know, Patricio is going to be tied up. I think he's going to be moving up to challenge Michael Chandler. I think that might be the next thing happening. Either way, uh, you know, great performance for Henry Corrales. Uh, you know, he showed that he can take a big shot from a tough, strong kid. And, you know, for Aaron Pico, again, not the end of the world, 22 years old. Uh, it, you know, he's got plenty of time to learn from this and to grow. Um, you know, he's still four and two, I believe. So, um, you know, he's got a bright future ahead of him. I, I can guarantee that much. Uh, it, the next fight was, uh, heavyweights, Jake Hager and JW Kaiser. Um, Hager was making his MMA debut. Apparently this guy was in a WWE. This is a time I wish Jeff the Animal Wilson were here. <coughs> maybe we can get him to speak on this next week jeff i know you're listening um so uh correct me on what i'm about to say on, on twitter so jake hager uh left the wwe to pursue a career in mixed martial arts now he was actually you know very similar to brock lesnar he's got a legitimate amateur wrestling background he wrestled at oklahoma state i believe and, uh, you know, it showed he was able to take Kaiser down easily. I don't know what Kaiser's background is. Supposedly he's one and one in MMA, but according to him, he's had over 50 fights and, uh, uh it didn't really show in this fight because Hager was able to take him down. He was able to submit him with an arm triangle choke from the half guard, uh, which you definitely should not be able to do against someone who has 50 fights, but you know, maybe he's just got you know maybe i'm being a little cynical maybe he's just got that powerful of a squeeze so uh, i guess congrats to jake hager i don't even know what his pro wrestling name is and i don't really have the patience to google it so if you know who he is uh you know let me know if this is a pro wrestler that i should have known if he's like a like a hulk hogan or like a john cena level guy or a brock lesnar and uh you know i totally missed the boat on that um the rest of, I'm looking up and down this card. Uh, there are some interesting. There are some interesting fights on here. Uh, AJ Agazarm made his MMA debut and lost a split decision to uh, Jesse Roberts, which was probably a feeder fish. Also making his MMA debut, I believe. And uh, AJ wasn't able to get the job done, but that's kind of his mo. Uh, he, he's totally satisfied going to draws with people. And, uh, so I guess he's probably satisfied with split decision losses as well. Uh, as far as Bellator goes, um, you know, that, that was pretty much it. Uh, I would recommend going and watching those, those top couple of fights. Uh, you also had a really close fight between, uh, Juan Archuleta and Ricky Bandejas, uh, Archuleta taking the unanimous decision there. Uh, and, and that was a really close fight and that's all I got. I, I didn't watch the prelims or anything like that. Uh, I think they were on DAZN and you guys know how I feel about DAZN. Um, I'm just not going to watch any content on there. So, uh, if you want me to comment on it, I guess, you know, send me an illegal stream next time it comes up. And that's all I got on Bellator. So let's look forward to the next UFC event coming up, which is going to be Fight Night 144 in Fortaleza, Brazil. 
and it's going to be a rematch in the main event between Rafael Asuncao and Marlon Moraes. Now, Asuncao was, you know, who they gave Marlon Moraes to in his UFC debut. Uh, I don't know if a lot of you remember when Marlon Moraes came over to the UFC, he had a ton of hype behind him. He was one of these guys who was just a world beater in other promotions, and a lot of people were really excited to see him come over. And then he lost a really close to decision to uh, a Sunsau, and you know, a lot of people thought Marlon Moraes won that fight. I I don't remember it that vividly, but I do remember thinking that Moraes should have gotten the decision. Um, I, I honestly can't recall if it was a total robbery or not. Uh, I, I do remember thinking that Marais should have won, but I can't remember the fight specifically, but I am looking forward to this rematch because this is two really high-level fighters uh, that are, you know, uh, a title shot is probably in the future of whoever wins this one, even though things are very murky uh, around 135 pounds right now since TJ Dillashaw, the current champion, just moved down in weight and lost to Henry Cejudo. So, I imagine Cejudo is going to move up and challenge for that bantamweight title, which means guys like Marais and Asuncao are just going to have to wait or fight for an interim title or, or whatever they decide to do. But in the meantime, uh, we got a great fight to look forward to next weekend. That's really going to be an awesome fight. And the co-main event, Jose Aldo and Renato Moicano Carnero. Uh, so <clears throat> this should be a great fight. And Jeff texted me uh, right before I started recording and said that this is one of the ones he was looking forward to the most. I'm kind of with him on that. Uh, he thinks that it's going to help Moicano move up in the rankings by taking on uh, you know, a big name like Aldo, who uh, for good reason to a lot of people is still you know, the best featherweight of all time. And I, I know he's has two losses to the current champion, Max Holloway, but you have to remember that during his reign, Jose Aldo was one of the most feared fighters on the planet. I don't think, you know, Max Holloway is a phenomenal fighter. I don't think he invokes the kind of fear that Jose Aldo did, uh, you know, during his streak of wins where, you know, he was coming out and starching guys in eight seconds. Um, you know, he was like the Mike Tyson of featherweights where guys were, were essentially defeating themselves before they got into the cage with him. Uh, now, I'm not saying I think he's the greatest featherweight of all time, but I'm saying I could see how one could make that argument. Now, Aldo's coming off of, you know, that knockout of Jeremy Stevens, which is huge because it showed that, you know, he still has the skills to put away top-level competition. Obviously, Jeremy Stevens, we all know how tough he is. This is going to be an interesting test here with Moicano because, you know, you have a potential changing of the guard here with a 29 year old Moicano and uh you know Aldo's not that much older than him but Aldo's just you know been more battle tested but here here comes Moicano and his only blemish on his record is a submission loss to Brian Ortega which was you know about a year and a half ago I think uh but since then he's got wins over Calvin Cater and Cub Swanson uh very high level fighter but you know, we've only really seen him testing against top-level competition about four times, and three out of those four, he proved himself. 
Um, and, and at one other time, you know, when it got into that third round, when it got into deep water, where Jose Aldo has been before, um, you know, Moicano struggled a little bit. So this is going to be interesting. Moicano is a big featherweight too, five foot eleven, uh, which is absolutely huge for 145 pounds. So this is a very interesting co-main event. And then we have uh, Damian Maya and Lyman Good. So <clears throat> you know, typical grappler versus striker. Lyman Good uh, has crazy power. Uh, so you know what his game plan is going to be going into this. Obviously, he doesn't want to be on the ground with Damian Maya. I mean, he's got some mission skills, but you know, you you don't you don't want to risk it. You know, he's coming off a huge knockout win over Ben Saunders, uh, and and Damian Maya, you know what he's going to do. He's going to try and you know pull that weird half guard that he does, or you know grab a single leg and drag you. Uh, to the depths of hell and and choke you out. Um, then we got Charles Oliveira and David Tamer. This should be a very interesting fight. David Tamer has very good takedown defense. He's a very stiff, very rigid, very technical striker. And Charles Oliveira is a very loose, very fluid grappler. You know, most submissions in UFC history. Um, so, you know, another classic striker versus grappler here. Uh, it should be an interesting one. David Tamer is going into enemy territory, taking on Oliveira in Brazil, of course. And then we got Johnny Walker, who you may remember um, made his MMA, his uh, UFC debut and knocked out Khalil Roundtree in uh, Buenos Aires uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, you know, this guy's a huge light heavyweight. I think he's six foot six. He's gonna be taking on Justin Ledet, um, who's gonna want to stand with him. And um, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, Johnny Walker is a, is a potentially big prospect for the UFC. He's got personality. He's got like quirky faces. He's kind of a goofball, and he's a monster. So uh, you know, that's what they want to see. Uh, coming up and then you know we got a couple of undefeated fighters fighting on this car uh lavinia souza who's 12 and 1 is going to take on the undefeated sarah frota so that'll that'll be interesting uh marcus perez against the undefeated anthony hernandez uh that should be a good fight and then i'm going to give you jeff's pick for the fight of the night the one he's looking forward to the most and i have a hard time arguing with him but i'll give you one more after this and that's tiago alves against max griffin so you have the very loose muay thai style of tiago alves here you got the the more grizzled veteran more experience uh against max griffin who you know does well with his footwork and throwing straight punches right down the pipe so uh you know alves likes to throw big looping things big looping kicks big looping punches and max griffin has the perfect style to counter that with those straight punches right down the pipe uh, so it, it's gonna be you know who whoever is able to invoke their style the best here uh, is going to come away with this one. But uh, I'll quote the Animal Wilson. He said that somebody's going down in this one, and I have a hard time disagreeing uh, for the reasons that I just shared with you. Uh, Talia Santos, the undefeated Talia Santos, taking on Mara Romera Borrera. Um, so that is one to keep an eye on. Talia Santos, I believe, 
you may have seen her in the news recently. Uh, she was attacked and beat the fucking shit out of her attacker. Um, so, you know, there's that. If, if you want, if you're into street fights and stuff, you know, Google her and, and look what she did to the guy who tried to rob her. Uh, I believe that that happened in Brazil as well, too. So here's a fight I'll tell you to look out for. This is on the prelims, and it's a heavyweight matchup between Junior Albini and Yarazino Rosenstrike. Uh, so Yarzino is making his UFC debut. He's 5-0. He's a Muay Thai striker, but um, the fights I've seen of his, even in Muay Thai, he has a very Western boxing stance where he has, he throws very heavy punches. You know, he throws the Muay Thai kicks very well, and he's got great technique and everything, but uh, he's got serious knockout power in his hands. Uh, Junior Albini, more experienced as a mixed martial artist, but... Uh, you know, he's coming off that big loss to Alexi Olenek, uh, where he was submitted there. Albini was a guy who the UFC really wanted to get behind. Um, you know, <clears throat> young guy, which is rare for heavyweights. This is you know, by far the oldest division. I think the average age of a UFC heavyweight is around 36, 37 right now. Um, so Albini coming in at 27 years old. You know, the, the UFC was really looking forward to a, a young prospect in this division, but unfortunately he got his ass whipped by two older guys in Andre Arlovsky and Alexei Olenek. So he's looking to turn it around, and uh, Rosenstrike looking to uh, make a name for himself. He he most recently fought in Ryzen. Uh, I would suggest looking at some, you know, Google this guy's YouTube, Real Rosenstrike. Uh, he, he's got an interesting style. You know, he, he's billed as a Muay Thai fighter. He's fought Muay Thai before, traditional Muay Thai. Um, but, you know, big power in the hands, which is not something that's, you know, typically associated with Muay Thai strikers. They're not, they're not big on punching. And the reason for that, uh, for those who aren't aware, is because uh, punches don't score as many points in Muay Thai. Uh, kicks and knockdowns are are what score the big points in Muay Thai competition, which is why you know they go for the big head kicks, the body kicks, the leg kicks, and they go for the trips and dumps and things like that because that's what scores the big points. Uh, but Rosenstrike, even though he's built as a Muay Thai fighter, he's got knockout power in his hands. That's a scary dude. So keep an eye out on him. Uh, so great card. Uh, you know, you can't ask for better than this, uh, for a free card. I, I don't know where this one is going to be, if it's on, uh, ESPN or, or what I, I haven't gotten, uh, in sync with the, the new scheduling or anything like that yet. Uh, I'll leave you guys with a piece of news that I just thought was entertaining because, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about Cowboy Cerrone getting the fight against Conor McGregor and, Somebody who's disappointed with that, obviously, would be Max Holloway. And um, the the reason being is Max Holloway obviously is the champion uh, division below, and he has a loss to Conor McGregor, and he wants that rematch. It's looking like it's going to go to the Conor McGregor fight is going to go to Cowboy, but. <clears throat> Max Holloway wants to fight, and instead of just asking for it, he did something pretty brilliant. 
So you guys all know that Conor McGregor has his whiskey line, Proper 12. You know, we've talked about it on this show before. You know, if you follow Conor on any social media, it's all he's talking about lately. And obviously, they're in direct competition with Jameson. So what Max Holiday, what Max Holloway did was he partnered up with Jameson Whiskey, and they put out a distillery edition called the Max Holloway Triple Distilled Irish Whiskey. So Max Holloway posted on social media, and I'll just read this uh, verbatim for you guys. 238 years of innovation, hard work, and unmatched quality. Not a watered-down trend. A true pillar of Ireland. Supporting the hard-working families in Dublin for generations. Thank you, at Jameson Whiskey, for the hospitality. The number one Irish whiskey in the world. And there's pictures of Max Holloway. I guess at the Jameson Distillery and holding a bottle of the Max Holloway um, blend. Uh, why they didn't call this the blessed blend, I don't know. That's what I would have called it. Um, but nobody from Jameson consulted me on this. But if anybody has any connections at Jameson and can get me a bottle of this stuff, uh, you know, please put them in touch. You know, get a hold of me on social media at MMA on the Rocks. Or, you know, if anybody who happens to work for Jameson is listening to this, you know, get me a bottle of this stuff over here. I will happily, very happily talk about it on the show. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Jameson. Uh, I have tried Proper 12. You know, it's good. Uh, but, you know, I, I need some points for comparison here. So hook it up there, Jameson. I think this is a brilliant move by Max Holloway because it, it's so much more well thought out and it hits so much closer to home than just saying, like, I want this fight. I want the big money fight, which, is, you know, for whatever reason, guys haven't figured out that this doesn't work. Uh, so this is a great way to get under Conor McGregor's skin. Go after him where it hurts. Uh you know, challenge them to a marketing battle. Uh, obviously, Proper 12, you know, as good of a product as it is, it can't hold a candle to Jameson. There's just too much history there. Uh, you know, that's just the way it is. And, you know, it was smart by Conor McGregor to kind of make the comparison to Jameson and, and say that Proper 12 is better. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's not. So there's that. Uh, not a whole lot else going on, but, you know, we got some great fights, uh, to look forward to on the horizon. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything huge coming up from Bellator, but, you know, UFC, we got a couple of weekends in a row of really good fights because we got fight night 144, which I just talked about. And then we got UFC 234, which is Robert Whitaker defending his middleweight championship against Kelvin Gastelum. That's going to be on February ninth uh <clears throat> yeah so that's it i'm just kind of glancing here to see if there's any other big news and it doesn't look like it, it looks like it was a, a slow week in news i don't think i'm missing anything else but if i am please uh let me know on social media and i will happily address it next week we're looking forward to having jeff the animal wilson back next week so again a reminder you know wish him good luck on his new job and uh he will definitely be back guns blazing next week so for those of you who missed the animal this week you know i'm sorry you had to just deal with my voice for 45 minutes or however long this has been i don't set a timer or anything i just kind of plug and go as you guys know um so that's all i got for this week 
And yeah, we'll call it there. So reach out to me on social media if there's anything I missed or if there's anything else you wanted me to talk about. Let me know what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. And that's it. Until next week, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>